Blog Talk Radio. And right now, it's big fight time. Live in Las Vegas, Trevor Burbick and Mike Tyson are about to battle it out for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. Hello, boxing fans, and welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. And today we are talking about the greatest performances of Roy Jones Jr. And I'm joined once again by one Silver. What's up, man? Hey, hello there, Logan. Hello, boxing fans. As we talk about the career of probably, in my opinion, the single greatest athlete ever to step into a professional boxing ring, Roy Jones Jr. Indeed, indeed. And this guy just basically through his uh, athleticism, basically created a style of fighting that befuddled some of the greatest fighters that he faced. Um, and, and you can really just have to, it, it, it really is one of those things where it's like only he could have done it, you know? Like it was just, and I don't think anyone, there'll ever be another um, Roy Jones well, Jr. I, you just made a great point, Logan. There'll never be another fighter like Roy Jones Jr. This man was the combination of speed, power, and precision that you never saw before or since in his prime from 1993 to 2003. For that 10-year period, which was his prime, you never saw an athlete like him in the boxing ring because he was the fastest man ever to step inside of a ring. Yeah, well, you know, it it looked like what he was doing was um, treating – both of his hands as jabs, and then at the same time hitting just harder, you know, making sure that each punch was as hard as he could possibly make it. Um, but you notice that, like, he, he it's almost like he was using a two-handed jab well, system. He would he would feint a lot. He, You know, uh, fighters use feints, and his speed was so ridiculous that with his feints, you would look for a jab, and he would throw a right cross. You'd look for a hook. You 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 look for a right cross. He throw a left hook, and the old in the three fights that we'll talk about, only one time did he use the jab as a primary weapon. Other than that, in the fights we'll talk about it throughout his career, he would just leap at you, and you you couldn't stop it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was. I guess that's another way of saying it. I mean, I'm just saying, like, basically, like he was just using both hands all the time. Uh, you didn't know where the shit was going to come from. It, it was just unpredictable, and so and 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 when you have these traditional fighters coming up with their jab and 
you know, trying to get behind their jab. I mean, that shit just did not work with him. I mean, he was just too quick and too uh, uh, confusing, you know. <laughs> and his reflexes, his reflexes were just lightning. Like, and now, you, in his prime, he, it was hard to be a conventional fighter and beat this man. Right. You had to, I mean, really, the, nobody could beat him until – his his reflexes started to go a little bit because uh, once, once he lost a step and there were people realized he had no chin, that was when his career was all but over. But that but didn't also happen, that didn't happen until he was thirty thirty five years old. But he also probably had a better chin too when he was younger because he he took some shots, but uh, I guess nothing real clean. It was it was one and done. As he got older, as he lost a step, he would get hit. You couldn't hit him with two shots. Or more. At a time, because you hit him the first time, he'd be gone and counting you. But as yeah. he got old, you could hit him more often, and boom, he was more susceptible to getting knocked out, which occurred not didn't occur until he was 35 years old. All right, well, let's start off with his early career, um, and then uh, I know we have, there's a big story about him in the Olympics, so uh, yeah, go ahead. 1988, he was robbed. Just In the 1988 Olympics, his sole career, he lost to to his Korean opponent, in the worst decision in professional amateur boxing, I mean, it was an outright robbery. When when the decision was read, the the Korean fighter, when the North Korean fighter went up to a to a Roy and told Roy, you know what, this is a joke. I don't deserve to win this fight. And it was such a travesty that he, even though he lost the gold medal fight, he was robbed. He was named the outstanding of the 1988 Olympics, which never happens to a guy who who's a runner-up. Right. After that, he turns pro, and he wins his first 21 fights. In what, what weight class? In middleweight, in the middleweight division. He's a middleweight. And he wins the vacant IBF middleweight championship, which, which was vacated by James Toney. In August of 1993, he beats the very young Bernard Hopkins to win the, to win the vacant IBF middleweight championship. A year later, November of 1994, 26-0, he goes in the ring and faces James Toney in a fight, the first fight we'll be talking about, which is between the two best fighters in the world. At that time, James Toney was the number one pound-for-pound fight in the world. Roy Jones Jr. was the number two pound-for-pound fight in the world. A rare matchup of two of the, the two best fighters in the world facing each other in their primes. Now, James Tony was undefeated, right? At this point, they were both undefeated going into this fight. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, just a shutout here. Like we thought this was, you know, coming in. This is going to be a. I I I was willing to bet the whole, my whole bank account, everything on James Tony going to this fight. I thought Tony had the style to beat Roy Jones Jr. because Tony, great defensive master, a guy that we talked about on this show. One one of the fighters we've talked about in the show, the greatest performances in boxing history. Unfortunately, James Tony, I don't know what the hell was wrong with him, did not train properly and had to lose 18 pounds coming into the fight to lose to to, to make the weight limit. Logan, he took laxatives, diuretics, he did whatever he could to lose weight. So when he stepped in the ring that night, he's lucky to get killed. Yeah, he was. He looked like his head wasn't in the game for sure. I mean, he he was on one of the office night of his nights. Um, I mean, was, as much as you want to say, 
it was the office night of his night. He picked the wrong time and the wrong opponent to not trade properly. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I mean, this fight had huge hype. This was the fight of his career. HBO was going to give the winner of this fight a huge mega deal, and he left it. He left it on the on the on the kitchen room, on the dining room table because he fucking ate too fucking much and had to lose all this weight right before the fight. Yeah, I mean, he just wasn't disciplined, and uh, I mean, as much he looked, he looked like a zombie in that ring. He did, and you know, some of some of the stuff that uh, Roy Jones did uh, to him. It was almost as like he was just playing on his dazedness. I mean, because it, I saw a couple times during the fight where Roy Jones would strike a pose, and then you'd see James Tony strike that same pose and then get hit. I mean, it was like the r- most ridiculous shit. He was like aping him. You know, like a, I, so long, but I was watching the fight with a bunch of friends, guys that didn't know anything about boxing, and they're sitting there, and they're looking at me like, fuck, Rob. Hey, Rob, you said this guy was great. This guy ain't shit. I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is he doing? I mean, yeah. he was, it, it was, I, I got to give Tony credit for one reason. He didn't train. He he was a zombie in the ring, and he survived 12 rounds of a one-sided beating. <laughs> yeah, man, he's got quite a chin, Tony oh, does. No, Tony has one of the greatest chins in the history of sport. The knockdown that happened in the third round, that was more of being off balance than being hurt. Uh, to, uh, Jones caught him, and he fell across the ring trying to – he was off balance trying to caught himself, but was a knockdown. And that was the highlight of a very boring one-sided boxing lesson. I mean, Jones did whatever he did, and he and towards the end of the fight, he was bored. He was looking at, like, Tony, he was bored. Unbelievable. And Tony had talked so much smack. You know, James Tony, one of the great promos in the history of boxing, was just talking – Smack about Roy saying, I'm going to make you say uncle. I'm going to kick and come in the ring and nothing. Okay, but how much was this Roy Jones and how much was this him being just a poor training, trained dude? Because no, there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. I mean, no, I'm just trying to sit, trying to quantify whether this was a really great performance right. by Jones or was he just if, fighting in there with a broomstick? If, if Tony would have been Tony. It would have been a much more competitive fight. I don't yeah. think anybody beats Roy Jones this night because Roy Jones trained for this fight like he never trained before or after. He trained because he hated – these guys hated each other. This was a grudge match. And Tony – Jones came in there with this with, with, with – Jones gave Tony a lot of respect. He could have tried for a knockout, but he knew, look, I'm, maybe this guy is trying to guide, uh, uh, go to me into a, into a slugfest. But no. I don't think Tony would have won that night, but it would have been a much better fight had he had his head in the game. Now, in, during his prime, uh, Roy Jones, did he was he ever in trouble and where he was able to come back, or did he just never even got in trouble? No, in his career, he was knocked down one time. I'm talking about in his prime. From We're yeah. talking 1993 to 2003. He was knocked down one, one time by Luis Del, Del Valle, and it was a flash knockdown. He got up and he went on to, 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 to he regained his right away. Never saw Roy Jones in serious trouble. He was knocked down at one time by Louis Devalier, but never in serious trouble, because you couldn't let him more than a, more than one shot at a time. To, 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 I never saw him hurt for the. Now when period. you, 
Now, when he when he started to lose his, uh, we'll talk about these other two fights, but yeah. these other two fights are basically one sided. So right. I'm just trying to figure out like it, what what kind of championship medal would he show when he did get in trouble? You know, when his reflexes but go it, down. It never happened. So once he was off, he was off. He couldn't get back. Yeah, once he once he lost that step and and once he got knocked out, and, and then he got knocked he got knocked out two consecutive times. Once that happened, that was it. That was yeah. it. Yeah, the same thing happened to Chuck Liddell and uh, UFC. I mean, it's, it's just yeah, it, it, it's it's happened to a lot of fighters. And Chuck Liddell in MMA is a perfect example. And Mike Tyson is a perfect example of boxing. Once he got knocked out, that. That, that that illusion of him being unstoppable was over, and, and guys would go in there and they would be hungrier to go after him. They wouldn't be as scared as before. Yeah, they'd be willing to. They wouldn't end up like Bruce Seldon taking a dive, you know. Like oh, that was some <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so uh, we uh, when we talk about this fight, though, okay, with um, uh, this this first this fight first fight we're talking about on this thing. This is, you think, his one of his greatest performances because James well, Tony had that reputation. But ultimately, that, James Tony was considered the best fighter in the world. James Tony was had ransacked the super middleweight division, and James Tony was favorite in his fight. The only time in that ten year time span, from ninety three to two thousand three, that Roy Jones Jr. was an underdog in a fight. Tony was the favorite. And he just so he, went and he won every round, and he won convincingly. Easy fight. You watch the fight, it's boring, because after a while it just becomes repetitive. Oh, but it's great to just see kind of how the style of... And in this fight, this is the first fight where you see he's using a jab. His reflexes are ridiculous. You can't touch him. It's just, I don't think any fighter ever in history could beat this Roy Jones. That's, I think that's what you're trying to say here. I'm, it'd be hard to man. This dude. Oh my. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like doesn't matter how how great, much you bring your A game. Roy Jones Jr. was as close to invincible as any fight ever fought. I would compare him to a 25 year old Muhammad Ali. Yeah, it would have been great to see if they were in the same weight class like that fight because ring the two greatest athletes ever to, to, to fight in a ring at the same weight. If you could do that. What a fight! Because you got combination of speed, defense, boxing intelligence, boxing IQ, all put together. That's the only yep. person I can compare to at that way. Because when Ali was twenty-five in 1966 as a heavyweight, you never saw anything like him before or since. Yeah, and that and that tells you that it is about their reflexes. They just it, it's about their athleticism. Uh, at that point, because uh, and a lot of times that covers up a lot of flaws in the game. And and when you look at Roy Jones' style, he he does everything wrong, right? I mean, it's just it's like Ali does everything wrong, but their 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 um speed and athleticism makes up for all the mistakes they make in the ring. Now, but these are totally different offensive fighters, right? Ali and. Uh, Roy well, Jones. Ali was a mover while Roy Jones would stay right in front of you and dare you to hit you, and you couldn't touch him. And he, but they both did one thing similar. They threw punches and punches, quick combinations. Well, Roy Jones just like yeah, like he he would figure out a he had that great aim where he could just like see you like oh, where you were. 
like Ali, he was as accurate as they came. Some of the most accurate punches in the history of boxing, if you were to say who the most accurate punches in the history of boxing, Ali and Roy Jones would be up there with Sugar Ray Robinson. Now, the defensive tick. The defensive technique of uh, of Roy Jones, like he doesn't do that rope a dope shit. He doesn't do. Oh, I mean, towards, what, what? towards the latter part of his career, and the next fight we talk about, the first fight he fought with this guy, he, I don't think he trained. Let me just get up to the next fight. Yeah. August seventh, nineteen ninety seven. But before we go there, let me let's talk about what Roy Jones did between November of ninety four when he beat James Tony. In August of 97, when he faced Montel Griffin for the second time, he successfully defended the super middleweight title several times before beating the legendary Mike McCollum in November of 96 to win the vacant WBC light heavyweight championship. 12-round decision. His first defense in March of 97, he loses by disqualification. And this was a fucking robbery. Once again, he gets robbed. But in that fight, he inexplicably laid up against the ropes he didn't trade for this fight, Logan. He took Montel Griffin for he, – he, he, he took him for granted. He laid up against the ropes for the first eight rounds. After seven rounds, he was losing on all three scorecards. Finally, after regaining the lead in the ninth round, he knocks down Griffin. And then while Griffin's down, he hits him again. And then Griffin fakes as though he's been shot. And he's, he lays on the floor. And this is the first time I ever saw a guy lose a fight – by a foul. You're supposed to get up. They're supposed to give you time. The referee disqualifies Griffin. You can tell he's acting. The referee disqualifies Roy Jones Jr., hands Griffin the WBC lightweight championship, and Roy Jones was livid in the in the post-fight press conference. <laughs> that was a that was his only loss in, in that prime period. And, you know, the yeah, thing is... And, like, and it was a bogus loss because you could tell... If I look at it, he Griffin's on the floor... And Roy taps him. He really doesn't hit him full throttle. He smacks him and flips the replay. And then Griffin, all of a sudden, acts like his eyes roll in the back of his head and like he's dead. But but it's funny because I remember during that whole his whole career, like no one ever even regarded that as a as a loss. I mean, it was he was an undefeated fighter for, in, in, in a rematch because of what happened in the rematch, August seventh, nineteen ninety seven. The angriest I've ever seen Roy Jones in the ring. He comes in and he obliterates Griffin. Yeah. Ten seconds into the fight, he rocks him with a left hook. Thirty seconds into the fight, he knocks him down with another left hook. And then finally, with a little bit over under a minute left in the fight in the first round, he lands a spectacular leaping left uppercut. I've never seen anything like this before. That almost kills Griffin. Griffin goes down. And he goes, that one punch knocks him down nine times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't get up, and he keeps trying, and it just no way. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you, he also has that great um, defense where he crosses his arms. He seems to have well, that down pretty good. That, that throws that throws his opponent off because he's he's like, God damn, which which hand is he gonna hit me with? <laughs> yeah, he's he's. Yeah, I mean, when they come, he's very good at blocking shots with his gloves. But you know, he I see him taking some shots here, especially uh, with uh, um... Griffin had no punch. Roy Jones oh, from the okay. first fight, Griffin hit him several times, and Griffin was never, never a big banger. And you can see Griffin was short; he was like five foot eight, so right. he, he he had no punch. So Roy knew he could walk from the first fight that he could just walk through Griffin. 
Martel Griffin was a very unorthodox fighter. He he fought in a crouch. He made the fights ugly, and he beat you by making the fights ugly. And um, he was trained by the legendary Eddie Fudge with that style. So from the first fight, Roy Jones knew this guy's awkward. I'm just going to walk through whatever he's got, and I'm going to knock him the fuck out. And that's what he did. Man, what a, what a punch, though, man. His face just... Oh, one of the greatest just... uppercuts in the history of the sport. One punch uppercut. I mean, you saw the look in his eyes. He looked like a, he looked like a man drunk, just drunk. And he, I got to give Griffin credit. He tried to get up, and he fell nine times. He got up, fell down. Got up, fell down from that same punch. Kudos to George Foreman, George Foreman Jr. Because after the fight was over, he said that Roy Jones could be heavyweight champion of the world, which eventually he did become. Yeah, well, he that that punch was so fast. I don't know if anyone really punched faster than him, this guy. No, uh, I mean, I, I, except I, in the no, super lightweight. This man ever to step in the ring was Roy Jones Jr. He had the fastest hands, the fastest feet, the fastest reflexes. Never saw anybody as fast. The closest was probably Sugar Ray Leonard in the early 80s. Yeah. And the, the closest to that, that, that type of speed. Roy Jones Jr. was the fastest man ever to step inside of a, the squared circle. Yeah, that shit is just, I mean, unbelievable. I, I don't know if anyone's ever even, like, been able to clock that shit, but man, I would I would have loved to see what like a radar gun or how fast his left hook was. You know how like like they they clock the pitches ninety nine miles per hour. I'd like to see what his left hook was because that left uppercut he landed. Oh my god! Well, when he starts the combinations, it's like it's so quick they they don't even you know people just get stunned, man. It's yeah, like the thing. only person ever that I saw that could throw those five or six punches that quickly was a, a young Sugar Ray Leonard. And yeah. now we get to the last fight of the of his greatest, which is the next fight, April of 1998. He faces future Hall of Famer Virgil Hill, long-time light heavyweight champion for 10 years of the world, who had just lost his title, goes up and faces Roy Jones Jr. And in this fight, you see one of the greatest body punches ever, ever connected, ever landed in the history of the sport. And Roy Jones was never a body puncher. He lands his one the fourth round. He lands a scintillating right to the kidneys. Puts Roy Virgil Hill down. I got to give Hill credit. He actually got up at the count of ten. Yeah, he was. But that was now. Where did that hit him? In the kidney, right in the kidney. If you, you see the replay over and over again. The right, right to the kidney. So it's the same one that, uh, that Hopkins did. The same, similar to the shot that Hopkins knocked out Delahoy with. Yeah. Same puncher, right to the kidneys. But fast, man. Wow, and hard. My I mean, God. it was perfect because he, the whole fight he was timing. Virgil Hill had one of the greatest jabs in the history of the sport, and he landed a lot of jabs in this fight. And Roy, just to show you that he wasn't just an athletic fighter, he was a thinking fighter, was timing that jab, and he would – he would hit a, he would land a right cross over the jab. Well, Virgil Hill was so used to it that it left his body open once he threw a jab, and Roy went underneath and landed a right right to the kidney, right to the ribs, knocking out Virgil Hill. Fourth round knockout, one shot knockout. Unbelievable, yeah. And Virgil Hill, man, uh, great fighter. And, oh, recently uh, inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. One of the greatest jabs in boxing history. The greatest fight ever to come out of 
North Dakota, Virgil Hill, I mean, he had never been knocked out or knocked out before that fight. Now, uh, so so uh, who, I mean, like, it would have been interesting to see him against a prime Hopkins, you know? Uh, no, he would have beaten, he would have beaten. But remember, Bernard's problem is guys with speed. The, the, the fight they fought in 1993 for the uh, IBF Way Championship, that would have been the same result over and over again if they would have fought in that 10-year period. Mm-hmm. So it's just something about uh... to beat Hopkins, you you had you had to be a faster, athletic fighter, and that was all wrong for Bernard. All right, so take us through when uh, he from here okay. to when he decided after, to go heavyweight. After that, he dominates the light heavyweight division to the point where he moves up in March of 2003 to fight for the WBA heavyweight championship held by John Ruiz, and this fight could have easily been part of this program as Roy Jones fights a guy 40 pounds heavier than him and gives him a complete boxing lesson and wins an easy 12-round decision, becoming the first middleweight champion in the history of the sport to be heavyweight champion. He gives up the title. I think this is what um, rushes, speeds up his decline because he had to lose 40 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds, to go back down to light heavyweight to fight Antonio Tarver. He beat Tarver by split decision later that year, and then they had the rematch in May of 2004 where he gets knocked out in the, left, in the second round by a spectacular left cross, the beginning of the end of his career. Yeah, and uh, his his move up to heavyweight, I mean, I guess he just kept talking. Everybody kept talking about it. I, he got big, he got, look, he had wiped out the light heavyweight division. There was nobody left to fight. So he was Holyfield up. still was Holyfield still a cruiserweight or not yet? Not no, at that at point. That point. Holyfield was already washed up. That that was the same year Holyfield got knocked out by James Tony in a fight we covered on the greatest in James Tony's greatest performance. Ruiz. No, had, no, I mean, I mean, while well, well, Ruiz had beaten Holyfield for the WBA title. I know for a long time that I know, I know, but before that he was a cruiserweight, like in the early nineties, oh, wasn't he? Yeah. He had left the cruiserweight division in 1989. Yeah, way, way before this. Okay. Yeah, because it would have been interesting to see both of them in the cruiserweight division. But I think he would have beat so, Holyfield. While Roy Jones was was cleaning up the heavyweight division, he was trying to get fights with two guys, Mike Tyson or Van Holyfield. They never. It was never anything serious. He wouldn't yeah. fight Lennox Lewis because that would have been a bad fight for him. Lennox Lewis, six, seven, just taller than Roy, and as fast as Roy is, he couldn't have dealt with Lennox Lewis. I don't think so, yeah. But I would have seen Roy Jones versus Evander Holyfield at that time, like between 98 and 2000. That would have been a very interesting fight. Or what about back in the 90s, in the early 90s? like when yeah, yeah, well, In the early 90s, Roy would have been too small because Roy was a middleweight and Holyfield had already become heavyweight champion. Well, Holyfield won the title in 90 right before Mike Tyson went to jail. That's right, that's right. So when you get um, – when you when you get into there with Ruiz, who's Ruiz is no great fighter, I don't think. I mean, no, is, Ruiz, Ruiz is a boring fighter. He he holds you, he beats you. He was perfect for Roy Jones Jr. So I mean, he was the perfect heavyweight for Roy to shine against because he was an u- ugly ass fighter. What happened? He's one of the ugliest fighters ever. Oh Ruiz. my gosh! And the only man in the history of the heavyweight division to lose the two middleweights. He was titled the two middleweights. He lost to Roy Jones Jr. and then to a big fat sloppy 
on steroids, James Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, um, yeah, I, I hated Ruiz. I hated watching his fights. I, I never I, saw a good the type fight of guy. You want, he's the type of guy where you, if you pay to see a fight, you wanted to get a gun and get in the ring and shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. He hold and hold. Oh, he was ugly. Worst, uh, yeah, most uninspiring fighter ever. But yeah, so so you got um, Jones going up to heavyweight, coming back down, and and then you know kind of fucking himself up there. Now after Tarver, um, he John, he less than six months more. later, Glenn Johnson knocks him out. I mean, finally knocks him out. When Johnson knocks him out in the next round, Roy Jones is on the canvas for 15 minutes, not moving. People are worried. Man, what the fuck happened? And you think he retired, but he he's kept fighting since. HBO fired him one time because they wanted him just to, to to commentate. He wanted to still fight. The man is still fighting. Roy he fought Bernard Hopkins in April of 2010 in one of the worst fights in boxing history. I mean, it was just a horrible fight. Hub only did 50,000 pay-per-view buys. I mean, he lost a lopsided decision to Bernard, a fight that should never happen. And he continues to fight to this day, just embarrassing himself in the ring. Yeah, he's he's going over to Asia and doing shit. I, yeah, I hear, but... because the United States will, 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 will uh, section a fight. So he's fought in Russia and, and Asia in the last few times. And And how did he do? I mean, he's fought bums. He's beaten bums. Right, right. He's beating uh, bullshit. Now, now during his his run, his major run, he was a big box office draw, was he not? He was HBO's number one guy. Yeah, I mean, he kind of put uh, he became almost up there with Tyson, and uh, you know, uh, um, the only fighter with more appeal than Roy Jones. No, he wasn't HBO's number one guy. He was HBO's number two guy. De La Hoya was their number one guy. Right. He was the second most. Popular fight in the world after the Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, and he he brought a lot of um, eyes to boxing. I, I remember, like he did. He, he, I mean, I mean, he was beautiful watching the ring. He was poetry in motion. Right, and his fights started to become destinations. Look, like, look at the way he was built. I mean, he was built like a brick shit house. The man had the perfect physique for for a fighter. He was never out of shape in his prime. He was built. He was chiseled. He was like the bridge between Tyson and 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 uh, De La Hoya, right? I mean, kind of like, I mean, I guess they were all around the same time, but uh, he definitely, yes, he definitely but, was the uh, the he, other guy. He in was that. the he was the best fighter in the world for a long time, and then once he declined, that's when Floyd Mayweather took the mantle as the best fighter in the world up until now. Now let's just say that Roy Jones never was in that. Um, division um and who are some of the fighters that maybe would have had better names where there were no where there no Roy Jones I mean well, he he, he destroyed James a lot of up and comers James Tony and Bernard Hopkins probably would have dominated more in, in in during that time frame had there been no Roy Jones Jr. Yeah uh and and I just remember him like handling a lot of people who it, it would look like they were going to be real contenders against him, and he would just shut them out and destroy them. A couple them. of rounds, you knew they had no shot. Yeah, but you remember they built up a lot of opponents for him. One thing I'll mention, there was going to be a mega fight. There was a guy from Detroit that um, Manuel Stewart had trained, Gerald McClellan, and we covered this fight 
on the greatest fight, a greatest fights of all time series. In March of 1995, Joe McClellan moved up to super middleweight, and this was supposed to be a, a showcase for his blockbuster fight with Roy Jr. He fought Nigel Ben. Great fight. Ben knocked him out in the 10th round. McClellan was in a coma and has been paralyzed since that day. That fight affected Roy Jones to the point where he would he would let up against a fighter if he hurt him too much because that McClellan fight affected him because he was he was going to fight McClellan. McClellan wound up in a coma. Now, McClellan has been paralyzed from neck down and fucked up mentally and physically since that day. And Roy has helped take care of McClellan since then. He has given McClellan a lot of money, donated a lot of money to McClellan's cause. He has, huh? Yes. Well, that's uh, that's good. That's a good thing. Then he's he's uh, he, he's he's a good guy. So, but I I, I like his commentating. I think he's, he's oh good he's on a the... great, he's the greatest color commentator in the history of the sport. I mean, he knows the he knows the sport in and out. He's helped trade a few fighters, uh, most notably. Oh, what's my guy? Uh, oh, God, the, the, the light heavyweight that Bernard beat, John Pascal. He's helped train Pascal. I mean, Roy Jones has a boxing intellect, IQ second to none. I mean, when so you he see should a, be a trainer. He he should be a trainer, an advisor, and he should continue to commentate more and leave the boxing alone. Stop fighting. Yeah, because it's just gonna gonna make you look ridiculous you know you know what was funny was when he when he knocked uh tony down and everyone was trying to say that that wasn't a knockdown i was like what are you fucking stupid and then harold letterman was like no dude you're what are you stupid that was a lockdown <laughs> yeah you, the ropes hold you up man come on he's like oh well, he, his ass didn't hit the ground it's like that's not the thing <laughs> That was funny, but uh, but in any case, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, man, just uh, an amazing uh, athlete and uh, the greatest athlete probably in boxing. Yeah, and he was the number one fighter. He was voted the fighter of the decade for the 1990s. I mean, there were great fighters throughout the 90s. Pernell Whitaker and Phoenix Trinidad were the runner-ups, but Roy dominated the 90s unlike any other fighter. In his prime, he only lost one time. And that was a bullshit loss. You may not even people don't even count that as a loss. Unbeatable. Un, he was he was close to visible as any fighter in the history of sport. Whether young Mike Tyson, a young Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, a 25 year old Muhammad Ali are the only guys on that level that were that unbeatable. Yeah, that's just that natural shit. That uh, I mean, in many ways, Tyson had that when his prime. It just is. But it was like, much shorter than Roy's was 10 years, while Mike's prime was three. Yeah, but in that prime, you know, it's like you get those fighters that they just unbeatable. Right. Yes. Um, and that's and that's the deal. So so um, w- now that um, now that we got this under our belt, Roy Jones Jr., who's next, man? All right, well, we're going to spend the month of December for the next oh, the six, The next three weeks we'll be doing movies. Next week we'll do No Way Out. The last week of December, between Christmas and New Year's, anytime during that time period, because I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be away, but we could do the show. I'll be away on vacation, but we'll take one of the days between Christmas and New Year's to do the Ring R World Championship Boxing Year End Award Show. 
We're gonna do our our version of it. Yeah. Our and, uh, of the ring awards. Yes, like we do every 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 year. And uh, and I'll give the biggest pussy award too. Uh, so we'll see yeah, that. That, uh, that, that, that. I love that award. That's our most popular award, the pussy of the year. <laughs> but so next week we'll talk no way out. And as far as boxing goes, look out for the end of the year. Sometime between Christmas and New Year's, we will do the 2014 World Championship Boxing Awards. And give a short comment on the uh, Pacquiao fight. <sighs> bullshit. <laughs> that was ridiculous, man. I I can't believe they sanctioned this bullshit. Really? It was just... I didn't even watch it. Rounds got knocked down six times. Are you kidding me? So it was like... Some total me. fucking amateur in there with him. I don't believe. Uh, you know, how the fuck is Pacquiao fighting? Well, Aaron keeps throwing these stiffs, right? One right, right after another. Well, I guess they make money. I mean, it's just a gimmick. Yeah, they don't, well, look, the government of uh, of China spent a lot of money. They Aaron made a ton of money on this fight because the fight was held in China. Yeah. The fight was sold out the whole nine. But pay-per-view American-wise... If it did three hundred thousand, I'm shocked. Nobody wanted to see this shit. The bar of the bar of the bar two blocks away from my my apartment uh, was charging ten dollars to see the fight. Damn. What do they usually charge? They usually charge more. Well, Floyd Mayweather fights usually forty dollars. Oh shit. Well, we'll, I guess they're gonna fight, man. It looks like they're trying to make that fight. Yeah, I Uh, I think the fight will happen, but I think it's five years too late. Way too late, yeah. And it's and not, it looks like it's not the, Mayweather's going to fucking win. Yeah, because Pacquiao, five years ago, Pacquiao would have knocked this guy two, out of two rounds. This guy, when you see the fight, and I don't really advise anybody to see the fight because it's a boring, bullshit fight. This guy runs, Pacquiao drops him, the guy gets up, he holds, he fights another round. I mean, it, it was a fucking, it was a marathon. It was not a, it was a, yeah, it was a marathon. It was a joke. Yeah, man. Joke. The fight should have been sanctioned. Put it this way. He had to go to China to fight this guy because the United States ain't nobody was going to buy this fight. Yeah. Well, it was a jobber match for sure. We'll see uh, where, where yeah, he well, goes They charged next. $70. Get the fuck out of here. I think people are realizing that they got to do this fight with uh, Mayweather and it's never going to happen, so they better do it next. For an out of opponents. There's no opponents left for, these, for either and this is that'll still be a big money fight. It will be. It won't um, be what it was supposed to be, but it'll 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 make them both a lot of money. I mean, they're talking a million about buys. they're talking about yeah. I think you'll get one point five million buys, and they're talking about Floyd getting a hundred million and Manny getting eighty million. So that fight's got to happen if that's the case. Hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, well we'll see about that, man. We'll, we'll see. We're looking forward to the awards. So keep in mind, you know your your picks, man. See if they match up with ours. Hey. Before, before before we before we sign off, when we do the award show, I want people to check out these two fighters. Look up their fights on YouTube. These are the two best young fighters in the world. These are the two fighters that are going to be the next legends. Roman Gonzalez, the flyweight champion of the world from Nicaragua, and Nicholas Walters from Jamaica, the featherweight champion of the world. Check out their fights on YouTube. These two guys will eventually be the best fighters in the world. These two guys have it all. All right, man. And we, you know what else? We're going to add to this uh, 
we're going to add to the best prospects in each weight division too. You know, we we should go over those uh, just to kind of talk about guys like this that nobody sees. These guys are on TV. Nicholas Waters didn't get on TV until a few months ago when he knocked down Nino Donaire. And Roman Gonzalez has been subject to only fighting on the Spanish channels, on, on the undercards. But these guys are going to carry boxing for the next five, six years. They're that good. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks again. All right. No way out next week. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Check out superfriendsuniverse.com for all the archives. That is the epitome of manliness. This is World Championship Boxing. We'll be back very soon. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Goodbye.